Good morning, everybody. You're listening to Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Hod Golan, the height of taste. For those of you who don't know me, I am Naomi Nachman, and I'm about all the food, all the time. I love restaurants, I love cooking for food, shopping for food, eating food, you name it, I like it. Um, I cater for people for Shabbat, for Yom Tov, I'm a, I'm a do small personal chef jobs anytime you don't feel like cooking. You can give me a call and I will come gladly come and do it for you. Uh, I hope you'll tune every in every week and hear about my exciting food adventures uh, that I have. And um, I'd like to hear about your adventures too. So email me, Naomi, at NachumSiegel.com. And let me know what you ate, where you ate, what you made, how good it was. If it was a flop, I'm happy to help uh, with some advice if I can. <laughs> um, join my newsletter on uh, theaussiegourmet.com, Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram. Twitter. I think I got all four in there. <laughs> um, so if you eat it, share it. Um, we have a very exciting show today. Um, it's our almost it's our Purim show. Let's call it our Purim show because we've got a big focus on Purim. It's just almost around the corner, which means Pesach is around the corner. I'm in full blown Pesach mode. Um, but I did manage to eat out this week. Um, I went to Reserve Cart with our dear friends Avi and Laura Posner. I was dying to go there. And it did not let me down. I've eaten Baruch Hashem at a lot of restaurants around the world. And this is the prettiest, most beautiful, I know, restaurant I've ever eaten at. Besides the food being amazing, sublime, I had lamb chops that were like perfectly pink in the center. And I said, when the, the uh, waiter took my own, he goes, how would you like that, ma'am? And I said, however the chef recommends it. Usually I feel like I'm okay with that call, and it came out and looked very, very rare. Um, I usually like medium rare, but I wanted to eat what the chef, how the chef thought I should eat it, and it did not let me down. It was amazing. It was probably the most expensive meal I ever had, um, but it was great. Hubby and our friends also enjoyed it. It was a really great and unbelievable ambiance. I've, I've really asked, I'm going to say it again, I've never eaten at such a pretty restaurant. Um, I also ate at Petite Shell uh, on the Upper East Side, some Unbelievable baked goods. Their rogalach are to die for. Made with real butter and cream cheese and they had um, croissant sandwiches. It's not a bagel shop. It's like a, just a croissant shop. You want a sandwich? You get in a croissant. I thought that was, I thought that was brilliant and it was really delicious. Um, I am going on a little bit of a food adventure this week. I'm going to go, or well, next week I should say, I'm going to go hit up Booth and Bun. Um, I'm giving them a shout out even though I haven't eaten there yet. Um, I've seen a lot of social media following them around. Um, in, um, and I just love burgers. I'm a big burger person. I, of course, you all know that I love Gotham Burger and I love Amsterdam Burger. But Booth and Bun is, is something different. And I read this week in the Time magazine, very interesting article how, you know, the calories haven't changed, but the ingredients have. We've, we've made them not any healthier, but packed. You know, a, a Big Mac from the 1960s is just as fattening as a $25 burger from these fancy restaurants. But the evolution of the hamburger and how we can put every, everything in it from truffle fries and poached eggs and avocado mousse inside a burger. So I want to go try some of the burgers at Booth and Bun. So I will report back in a couple of weeks how that meal was. Anybody who wants to come on a food adventure with me, um, I'm trying to actually plan a group of people that want to get together and hit all the kosher food trucks in Manhattan. So we want to wait maybe for the weather to get a little bit warmer, but I think that would be a really fun day too. Uh, if so, you, if you are interested in joining me uh, to go to the kosher food trucks, send me an email, Naomi at NachumSiegel.com, and we'll coordinate a nice day to go together. Okay, uh, the winner from last week's show. We had um, a brilliant show last week in Gomeglat. We had... Um, Dahlia uh, Abraham Weiss, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, Klein. Sorry, Dahlia. Sorry, sorry. Um, uh, do her. She had a giveaway for her spiritual needing uh, cookbook, and the winner was Nathan Levin or Levine. Um, not sure how to pronounce it. All the way from Baltimore, Maryland. Maryland. So we're going to send that book out to you. Congratulations and thank you for everybody for entering that giveaway. Um, all right, so uh, we have, as I said, a great lineup of guests. Um, I'm just going to tell you the lineup, and then we're going to start our uh, chats with all our amazing guests. I have um, Dan. He's actually on the line from Israel, Daniel Moshmeyer, who's the executive director of the Young Israel 
International Young Israel Movement, and he lives in Israel. He's going to be joining us in a minute, and on the uh, we're going to be joining joined by Aviva Kanoff, who's in San Francisco, very in the early in the morning there. She wrote two amazing cookbooks. I'm going to hold them up to um, for those of you who are watching the show as well as listening. I'm just holding the books up to the uh, video camera, and you can watch the show on Nachum Siegel Net on YouTube channel. Um, so it's gluten-free around the world and no potato Passover. So we're kind of going to intertwine gluten-free cooking and Pesach into our Purim show. And then, of course, I have sitting right next to me, Sarah Goldstein. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for joining me. She's okay? All right. Um, thank you for My joining pleasure. me. pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, I don't know if the people that are uh, can actually see, but there's a whole bunch of cupcakes in front of her, which means you're going eat <laughs> later on in the show uh sarah is an unbelievable baker so uh we're going to be talking to her and eating some of her samples uh in a little bit later on in the show so uh, thank you sit tight and we're on for a wild ride today this friday morning okay on the line i have from israel daniel mush Meyer. mush hello hi naomi how are you hi mate how are you very good welcome from the freezing Jerusalem. oh uh, yeah it's freezing there Yep, I wish you were here with us. Yeah, I wish I was there too, but it's freezing here as well. We we need hey, to get away last. Yeah, good, good. I, you know, I'm just going to tell our listeners. Mush and I know each other. I don't want to say 40 years because that makes us sound old, but at least 40 years, right? 35 years. 30. <laughs> yeah, we'll make it 20. We just met. <laughs> we'll call it. We'll call it quits for 20 years. Okay, that sounds like a plan. Um, Mush was actually my madrichen b'nei Kiva back uh, in Sydney, Australia. We became friends. We've been friends, as we said, for a long time. Mush moved to, to Israel. I moved to New York. Okay, not such a good alianik b'nei Kivanik, but I'm still going. I'm still coming. Um, so Mush is. We're, we're waiting for you, Naomi, and we're waiting for everybody else. Okay, great. We are coming. I'm, I'm going to say we are coming. Um, Okay, so so Mush is actually, as I mentioned earlier, he's the director of the uh, National Young Israel Movement. Did I get it right, Mush? You got International Young Israel Movement, based yep. in Israel region. In the what region? In the Israel region. Oh, in Israel. Okay, the best region yep. to be in. Actually, the oldest Young Israel is right here on the Lower East Side. Correct. It predates it predates all the other Young Israels. Okay, so this is the third time I'm having Mush on the show. Everyone who remembers. Um, me having Mush on, it's, we have it, him on every time of the, every, every year, this time of the year, for, um, cause he, he organizes Mishloach Manot for the Chayalim, and I really, that speaks to me, A, it's food, B, it's, you know, a hug, and I just, the Chayalim that need our support and feel our love from, uh, within Israel and from abroad. Are you there? Uh-oh. Okay, Naomi, so this year we're okay. very excited. We're <laughs> okay, he's back. We're the campaign this year. So far, we have 18,000 Mishloach not pledged by friends from all over the world. We're aiming at 10,000. Obviously, the more packages we get uh, donated, the more we can give to the Chayalim. This year, we'll be giving and distributing on bases on the Syrian and Lebanese border, where it's all happening. We'll be in the Hebron Hills, all around Hebron. We'll be in the Jordan Valley and much, much more. If your listeners want to partner with us, our website is www.yimanot.com. M-A-N-O-T dot org. There they can send uh, packages and letters to their soldiers, which we will hand deliver, or they can just send packages to their friends and family anywhere in Israel. Oh, so you can use... I want to tell you... Sorry? I didn't realize you could also send to friends, like if you have a child in Israel for the year, or an aunt and uncle, or your your in-laws, or... uncle, auntie, (laughs) rebellion... Anybody you want. That's such a nice idea. Besides the Chaylim, I, I did not realize that. That's really beautiful. Okay, so you were saying? I, w- I want to tell you something, Naomi, that was very special. When we went to deliver the bases all over Israel last year, we got a very pleasant surprise. Every base we walked into, we found Chaylim Bodedim, Chaylim that had made Aliyah from all over America, from New York, New Jersey, L.A., Baltimore, Chicago, and many more places. There was even one chayelet, one female soldier from Sydney, where we come from. Yeah, I saw that on very... the video. Yeah, the video is uh, going viral on Facebook and then on the internet at the moment. Yeah, I've actually posted it. Saying thank you. I posted it last night. You can go to my my page and see that beautiful, beautiful video. I was crying my eyes out. And they, along with their, their Israeli counterparts, are so thankful when we get out there. 
We find them in the middle of the shooting regions. We find them on patrol. We find them all over this beautiful country. And they just can't, I, I can't express to you the smiles we get, the thanks we get. You know, we also give out um, letters from, and pictures from children, school children, Jewish schools from all over the world. And it means as much to the high men that people are thinking about them. It really warms their hearts and really means so much to them. I encourage everyone to travel over to www.yimanot.org. Why I Manot? Why I Manot? M A N O T dot org. Can we and put just, that up on the uh, screen? Send a letter. If you're, if you're not going to send a package, send a letter because that also means a lot to them as well. Yeah, I, I'm sure the words mean mean it so much to them. So, so mm-hmm. th- I, I just want to make a mention, Naomi, that we're going to have two people joining us this year. We're going to have a lot of people joining us. If any of your listeners will be in Israel on uh, Tuesday, the 3rd of March, and want to join us, please email me via that, e- via that website, and we'll be happy to take them along. But we have two very special friends coming from New York to join us. Okay. One is Mayor Mishkoff, the president of the American Friends of Israel Hatzair, who allows this all to happen. And the other is our major backer and donor, Rupert Margolis, who is the president of the ZOA in Brooklyn. That's ZOA. That's mm-hmm. ZOA for the Americans. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the yep. Canadians and Aussies Again, will get I, it. I, I encourage your listeners to hop on a plane and help us distribute. But if they can't make it, we'd love to have them involved. And, and where does the, all the food come from? You know, I'm a foodie. Where does this food come from? Okay, the food, the food we, we, we use a supplier who many of your listeners might know as the candy man of the Shuk, Machane Yehuda. Oh! On a grippers next to the marzipan uh, store, there's a very, very big candy Did store. Did you take me there? Store. Did you take me there? Sorry? Did I you? I took you there when we were, when you were here, Naomi. I remember After that. We ate our pasta lunch. Yep, we went and had candy. <laughs> At pasta That's pasta. where it comes from. Zvika and his brothers, they've been there for 30 years. They're the biggest and the best. And their package is actually being packed in the warehouse, which is in Meshaw Adumim, just next door to Malay Adumim. Oh, okay, nice. So it's filled with really good candy. I know that store very well. <laughs> After- yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. And for all, the, all your listeners that are very healthy, don't worry, the high limit is very healthy three times a day. And when you do as much exercise and running around as they do, they you don't have to worry about cholesterol. <laughs> cholesterol or sugar. They need that sugar, sugar. rush sometimes. That's right. That's know, right. Especially the ones on the borders and mm. the apple night around Hebron. They deserve this, Naomi. They deserve the smiles on their faces. And this is one way we can say thank you to them. Now I, I'm going to whip out my checkbook right now. Right before Shabbat, I'm going <laughs> to get home. I'm serious. Like before Shabbat, I'm going to get home and I'm going to take care of this. I encourage everybody. This is an amazing because I'm actually quite choked up. Take a breath. Well, Naomi, I hope next year you'll join us on, on the distribution. That would be amazing. I would love to do that, and I'd love to come in and do it, depending on the timing, to do the Jerusalem Marathon. That would be like okay, the highlight well, of my life. you can eat all the junk, and then you can do the marathon. Then I can burn it off. How do you think I'm going to get the fuel to burn it all off? I know my daughter, Gabriella, my daughter Gabriella is going to be running for Shalva. She's flying in with um, SKA, and they have a whole team going um, to do Chesed with the, with the kids from Shalva and then doing their marathon and more chesed projects, it's unbelievable what they have going in Israel and how we take care of our people through Mishlach Manot. It's all very beautiful, Naomi. Through it's everything. beautiful to watch. And again, I encourage you all, your listeners, send Mishlach Manot to family and friends in Israel. Send Mishlach Manot and letters to Chayalim in Israel. On that side, you can also give Matanot Le'Avionim to the poor of Shterot, www.yimanot.org. Okay, okay, great. And I'm sure they, they, everyone's copied that down. Um, and you can, you know, if you have any questions, you can reach out to Daniel Mushmeyer or you can email me, Naomi at nachamsegel.com and I can help you with all that. Thank you so much. I know it's almost Shabbat for you. Naomi, I just want to finish by wishing you sure. and your listeners all the Purim Sameach. Thank you. Amen. Thank you to you and best regards to the family. I will and yours too. Keep okay. well. we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. That was Daniel Mushmeyer. He's the executive director of the International Young Israel Movement out of Israel. It's really uh, an incredible organization that it does so much, as we just heard from from Mush. Um, okay, very exciting. I have to, like, pull my thoughts together because I was really – I watched the YouTube link um, that was on the um, – I went to the website, uh, yimanot.com, and there's a YouTube link of watching – 
um, the Chayil embodied him, saying, you know, I'm from Sydney, I'm from here, I thank you for the Mishlach Manot. The girl was from South Africa, and I was like crying my eyes out. So just going to take a deep breath and move on because it was it was really nice. Um, okay, so we're going to tr- get Aviva Kanoff on the line. Do we have her phone number? No, whoops, i got to give CK the phone number. Okay, that would be really good. That would be very smart of me. <laughs> it's my... It's my fault. Okay, I'm going to um, just get that for you right now. Um, Aviva's number is she's actually waiting for our call because she's all the way in, um, there you go, she's all the way in uh, San Francisco. She's a really cool chick because she gets to she, well, fly around the world, eat, and and then she comes home and recreates it in her kitchen. So I'm like, that is really cool, her her. Uh, her book publicist uh, had called me and, uh, you know, said, can I send you the books, um, the Aviva's books? And I'm like, absolutely. So she has um, two books, The No Potato Passover, which came out in the year 2013. So I'm going to hold that up to the screen for those who are watching. And I'm going to be opening some of the pages up later on um, for you to have a look at. And her latest book from this year is Gluten-Free Around the World. I love that the fact she's gluten-free, you know, everyone is – a lot of people are pushing um, in that direction. Um, so, and it's also perfect for Pesach. There's a lot of exciting uh, experiences that she's had, and she's going to be sharing that with us. Okay. All right. ZK's got her on the phone. He is the best. What? I cannot do anything without him. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, ZK. I'm sorry. I forgot to get you the number. Silly me. Okay. Aviva? Yeah. Hi. Hi. Bokatov. How are you? Good, great. I know, very early in the morning for your three hours. It's like California's like three hours behind, right? Yeah. I'd just like to read to our listeners um, a little bit about you that is on your website. Aviva Kanoff. Am I saying it right? Kanoff? Kanoff. Kanoff. It's my accent. I blame everything on my accent. Okay. Has been described as the Indiana Jones of cooking, an adventurer, world traveler, fearless hero on the ground, in any vehicle and anywhere with a cooktop. I love that. Her globe trotting has taken her to the far reaches of Peru, India, Italy, Israel, Croatia, Croatia, Southeast Asia, and then some, where she has tasted local flavors, photographed the feast, and recreated the bountiful flavor dishes of these exotic places in her own kitchen. Uh, and then I see also that you've also had uh, French culinary training. She's worked as a personal chef, and she's got a degree from Hunter College in studio art. So, Aviva, you are, like, so well-rounded. Oh, thanks. In some in some areas. Don't ask me to fix your computer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so good at that either, but I can whip up a good dish. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. got something, right? That I could do. <laughs> okay, so when did you start this whole traveling thing? Um, You know, it's funny because... I used to be, like, the most homesick person in the world. Really? I never would have guessed that. Oh, my God. I was so homesick. I would never, ever, ever leave home. And I thought, like, when I was older, I would build a house in my parents' backyard and settle down. <laughs> and then little by little, you know, I was always really fearful of traveling. My family didn't do a lot of travel at all. But I always had this really intense curiosity about the world. So once I was able to overcome my fear little by little, um, I really discovered that, Traveling is my biggest passion in life. <laughs> That's mine too. I love it. Okay, so where was the first place you you took your got rid of your fear? But did you where did you jump into? When did you? Um, actually, my first my first ever trip out of the U.S. Um, with just a friend was to France. We were supposed to go to France and Italy, a uh, London, France and Italy. Okay. which sounds like a dream trip. Right? But does? I was so scared that I came home after a week. Really? Yeah. Wow. And my friends, like, make fun so much fun of me when they hear that, you know, I'm a world traveler and blah, 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 because they just picture this, like, scaredy cat turning green in Paris. So that's what happened. You turned around and came back home? I, I literally did. I, I didn't eat or sleep for a week. I was so nervous. Um, you know, my, you know, you know, having, coming from a family of Holocaust survivors, like, they instilled such an intense fear of Europe. Right, that it's I really true. Can, I was having like Holocaust dreams. It was really a disaster. Really scary. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's scary now again. A lot of uh, craziness yeah. going on in Europe. Yeah. Oh my gosh, for real. Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of places that I wouldn't go now. You know, France is one of my favorite places in the world. And yeah, I've I been there. It's, it's scary. Yeah, yeah. 
I've got close friends in France and, um, you know, they're, everyone, they're, they're feeling it. They're really feeling it. So, so did you end up making it to Italy? So I didn't end up making it to Italy that time, but thank God I've been back like five times since then. So I'm good. <gasps> okay. Where's your favorite place in Italy? Cause I've done a little traveling there. My favorite place is probably Cinque Terre. Oh, I did not go there. I was, I'm dying. Oh my God. To you it. have to go back. Okay. I'm Cinque going. Terre and, and well, you know, to me, even though it's a little bit cliche, Venice is just so charming and I'm an, an artist painter. And I can't make a painting without throwing in a boat and a pink house. Yeah. I, I, my husband loved Venice. He thinks it's the most enchanting city in the world. And we ate yeah, Shab- I really do. We ate Shabbat at Gum Gum. The only thing I found that I couldn't eat in, in um, Gum Gum or in Venice so much. I had pizza, of course, very cliche to eat pizza in Italy. But, I, you know, I like to have, as you say, local flavors and local cuisine. There wasn't so much there. I don't want to go, you know, I, Rome had more authentic Italian cuisine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that a lot of places also, especially kosher places, are catered to the Jewish tourists and, you know, they're picture, you know, they're, they're picturing, I guess, tourists from Flatbush who don't like to be surprised with <laughs> Sur- their cuisine. Surprise <laughs> me. Surprise me. I want to be surprised. Yeah. Uh- so there's, you know, there's people like you and me who like that surprise. And there's some people, you know, after doing so many cooking demonstrations, People don't want to, you know, a lot of people don't want to hear anything that's not potato kugel and chillant. Right, Chavez, right. You know? And don't don't think we don't love potato kugel and chillant. I love potato kugel. That's the thing, like, and my first book, No Potato Passover, I'm going to hold that inundated up. Let, let, I'm holding that up to the screen. We're also, um, you're on the phone because you're in, in in San Francisco, but I'm here in the studio on the Lurie side. We also have a camera on, so... I'm I'm actually holding your book up to the screen so people can see the No Potato Passover cover. And how did you get inspired to do this, you were saying? Um, So, actually, I wasn't, I didn't even think of writing a cookbook at the time. It never even entered my mind um, because I'm not one to measure at all. I'm not precise with pretty much anything in my life. So, you know, it never occurred to me, but I was asked to do a cooking demonstration in Miami for this big Sudaka fundraiser. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. Sounds great. Um, so we were coming up with themes that would be, you know, interesting and popular. And at first they asked me to do a Pesach cooking demo. And that for me is really fun because I'm the one who really cooks for Pesach in my home in Miami. And the year before that, I had decided... After my mom asked me to go buy like 50 pounds of potatoes and 70 dozen eggs. Oh, yeah. That sounds like, like you my know life. What? I'm not so in the mood to schlep. How could I get around this? <laughs> um, so I'm like, you know, what would happen if we didn't use one potato? <gasps> what? I'm so sick of potatoes. I'm like, what would happen if we didn't use one potato? <gasps> and what happened? So, you know, I was a little bit, you know, my mom's like, what? We're going to starve. We're going to die. What are we going to do? <laughs> I was like, you know what? Calm down. You go back to your room, take a bath. I got it under control. Oh, I, so, like, I like this chick. <laughs> I know. I'm like, mom, let's take a nap. We're fine. Oh, I wish my so, kids would say that to me. Go to go to nap. Take a nap. I'll take your pacer. <laughs> yeah. Pretty your much. mommy's very lucky. She is. And she, yeah, we're all very lucky. We're a really happy, fun family. You sound it. <laughs> okay, but, um, so. Yeah, so I go to the grocery store for the first time without a potato tunnel vision. And I felt like I was in the Wizard of Oz where all of a sudden there was like a world of color. And like the beautiful eggplants and spaghetti squash and different color peppers. You know, there's just so many other vegetables out there that people don't really think about because they get so stuck on this go buy 50 pounds potatoes, you know, mode. And it really opened me up to a whole new array of foods that I had never, you know, my family had never even had a Brussels sprout until like three years ago. Oh, really? And you're a chef. How'd they get away with that? You know, I, basically, I do all the experimenting in my own kitchen. And then if I find something that they would be open to, I'll cook it at home. But they're not the most adventurous eaters. Especially I have about 10 nieces and nephews and they're used to eating chicken nuggets, and they don't want to see anything else besides the meatball. Oh, wow. Okay, so you got very, you know, are you gluten-free in general? I personally am not, but after I wrote the No Potato Passover, um, the publisher who printed the book 
said, listen, I noticed that there's so many gluten-free recipes and gluten-free is really big right now. Like, would you be interested in writing a gluten-free cookbook? That's amazing. I'm I'm holding this one up. I'm getting the gluten-free book up, ready. Oh, okay. Okay. Everyone can see it if they're watching. It's a beautiful book because the front covers is pictures of all the places you've been, a bunch of places you've been with some of the cuisine mixed in there. Beautiful. And this, yeah. these are all your own photographs, right? Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Um, yeah, so I did the market research, and I saw that all the, you know, at the time, 2012, I saw that all the cookbooks were really kind of like pamphlets you would get from the doctor, like living with your disease and all kinds of really unappetizing books. And I'm like, you know, why should people who are already suffering being gluten-free of celiac, and why should they have to, you know, have this ugly book, you know, why shouldn't their cuisine be inspiring and fun and delicious? So I decided to, you know, look up places that have intrinsically gluten-free diets because as much as I, you know, excited to see a gluten-free baguette, I thought it'd be more fun to go and discover countries where most people are gluten-free because they don't even grow wheat on the continent, like Southeast Asia. There's no wheat grown in Asia at all? Um, Not not in Southeast Asia. There definitely is in the north, I'm pretty sure. But in the south, they, they do not grow it at all. So everything is rice-based. You know, they have rice pasta and rice rolls. Right. Everything is rice. Rice, rice, rice. Right, I forgot about that. I, I've seen rice buns. We eat a lot of rice pasta at home. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, you know, so I wanted to go to places that have intrinsically gluten-free diets, so we're not doing a lot of substitution. Okay, what's your favorite cuisine from around the world? I have to ask you that. Honestly, I think it's Italian. Mine too. <laughs> I love Italian food. My favorite food is pasta. But you make your own, of course. My own pasta? I really don't. Really? I love making mm-hmm. pasta. Because once you've had fresh pasta, it's hard to go back. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I, I bought myself a machine. Um, a, a small, it was 50 bucks. I clamp it to my um, kitchen table and I crank out some amazing. It's just flour, flour and egg. Yeah, no, it's really easy. It's just a lot of yeah, it's a lot of work. work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. But when you have a seven-year-old who's really eager to to um, to uh, help mummy in the kitchen, so to speak, and I'm putting in air quotes help mummy, she actually mm-hmm. loves to crank. So that kind of makes it a little bit easier. But I love to make pasta and I love to eat pasta too. But um, there's nothing like a fresh homemade pasta and homemade sauce, but yeah. Okay, what's your favorite spice? My favorite spice, I'm pretty sure it's, I love cumin. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I My, love cumin. cumin and, I love cumin and curry. But. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even like, it's funny because when I went to India, I did not like Indian food at all. Before that, I was just never into it. I'm like, you know, I'm going to India. Everyone's like, oh my God, the food's so great. I'm like, nah. I can live without it, but, you know, I really, there's so many flavors that I had never even tried before. I think a lot of my aversion is just, you know, not knowing and it's unfamiliar. And I think that that's one of the, one of the things that I try to do is, you know, you're traveling, you're seeing the world, you're opening up yourself to new cultures and new cuisines and new flavors and new everything. And I try to be as open as possible. I think that's fantastic. I think we should be all a little bit open-minded. I have friends who are adults who won't try certain things. I'm like, try it. You're actually not going to die. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, I, I grew up in such a, in such a, you know, there's so many people that are like, no, nah, I don't like it. Like, how do you know? You never tried it. Right. You know? So I was just saying at the beginning of the, the, uh, b- beginning of the segment with you, um, that I had, or, or maybe earlier on the show, I had gone to a, a fabulous restaurant here in Manhattan called Reserve Cut. And and um, the food I ordered this lamb I love lamb and I I ordered a little bit I asked the chef to prepare it the way he would like it so it was a bit rarer mm-hmm. than I would have chosen but I wanted to try what the chef the best way to eat it and one of the side accompaniments was olives and peppers and that's two foods I really don't love but I ate oh, it really? because I wanted it I wanted to try something different and it goes well with the lamb and I I paired it together and I was like. Oh, this isn't so bad after all. So, you know, sometimes opening up your mind and palate, you know, can yeah, be a, I mean, a great you're, experience. You're so surprised at how much you can learn and how much you really do like, you know? What, what, what's been, you know, you're, you've traveled the whole, or, 
you traveled the world. Um, what has been your um, hardest? Um, once you got over, say you told me your your fear. Mm-hmm. Um, what what what's been your hardest hurdle to get over? My hardest what? The hard, the hardest hurdle. Like, what, what have you run into any problems with Shabbat or anything crazy? Um, I've had a lot of crazy situations, honestly. I think like one of the craziest was trying to get. You know, I was in India, and the way that I'm inspired to travel is I go to Google Images and I put in the name of a place, or I put up like prettiest place in India and see what kind of images they conjure up. Oh, that's very clever. Images that I'm inspired by. I'm like, oh my god, I totally want to go here. That's how you pick where you're going. Pretty much, yeah. I wait for quite often wait for Dan's to be Dan's deal tweet to decide where I'm going. Oh, and what is that? Dan's deal. Okay, so Dan is some guy in the middle of the country. Um, he's like in Ohio or something. He's a mm-hmm. uh, orthodox guy, and he knows how to find cheap airline deals. So he'll That's tweet cool. out to like twenty thousand people. Like he finds all the glitches in the system. And he oh my promotes it online. So they had $50 tickets to Hawaii from Delta. They just had oh $75 tickets last week from um, London to New York. You had to get to London, but you came back business class for 75 bucks. Oh, my gosh. That's okay. crazy. So write down Dan's deal. You can go to his website, dansdeal.com. I'm giving him a shout-out. <laughs> yeah, you should. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's how, quite often how I pick it. But you're picking it by... The country and the prettiest place in that country. Yeah, I just like to go to places where I'm going to be inspired. And then I get a little disappointed if I show up and it doesn't look like a picture. I'm not going to lie. Okay. <laughs> but, um, no, but that's definitely what fueled me. I have, like, one image in my head. And you're like, I want to go there. I quite yeah. Often, I quite often um, pick up, you know, a place that because of, of just because of, of the cuisine. Like, I really wanted to go to Italy besides being going wanting to see Venice. And trying the food in Rome, like I want to, I want to eat the, the local stuff. Yeah, I'll pick my place on food. Um, okay, I'm just looking at my list of questions. I have so many. Um, okay, so how was you? Let's talk about your background, culinary school. Where did you go? I went to the French Culinary Institute. Isn't that right here on the Lower East Side? Yeah, on Grand right Street, off of Broadway and Howard. Oh, okay, great. I remember when I used to live here on the Lower East Side, I used to pass it. I should have gone to cooking school back then. That would have been nice and convenient. You know, I, I honestly, as someone kosher, it's really, it's really hard. I can't recommend it. Right. Aviva, Chef Aviva Friedman, she's the head chef, one of the chefs at uh, the Loft Steakhouse in Borough Park, and she said that also last week. It's so hard to be yeah. an Orthodox Jew inside a, a, a non-kosher yeah. cooking school. Um, I mean, it's basically just like traveling the world. You know, you see all this cuisine, but... I mean, there's not a lot of kosher restaurants in India that you're going to, right. you know. So, so how did you, you manage? To, you have to just, you know, a lot of vegetarian. You end up eating a lot of rice and vegetables. But, you know, for me, it's more about seeing. You know, I'm I'm used to not being able to taste on the spot. Right. You know, so you kind of develop a sixth sense for what, you know, what it tastes like based on smell and then go home and recreate it. Uh-huh. So that must be – so can you tell me about one of those experiences? What did you see um, that you had to run home and make, and how, how was that process? Um, actually, so when I was in Bali, I the first day I was there happened uh, to be a Bali bridge festival. A Bali, B-A-L-I, Bali. Mm-hmm. It's right near Australia, the, in Indonesia. Yeah, so they had a bridge festival, which is once a year – I'm sure I'm not doing it justice, but <laughs> as an American, it just looks – it was basically like a holiday where they chase away the demons. So they get dressed up in all these costumes and the whole entire city gets dressed up and they have a huge parade and the mayor comes out and they have all the top chefs and local farms and you name it. They're all there with a booth. And there was so much food that I've never, ever seen before in my life. Like Indonesian cuisine was so... What is Indonesian cuisine? Um... Can you describe it for us? Because there is no kosher Indonesian. They use a lot of um, lemongrass and a lot. You know, basically the thing that was the most surprising is the way that they cook the food. You know, like wrapping a lot of stuff in lemongrass and using, you know, because there it's not $10 a stock at Whole Foods. I I know. It's so expensive. We can buy it in Gourmet Glut. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So they're you know, so it's definitely accessible now. As but it's as, not cheap. <laughs> yeah, but they're you know the way they ground up chicken and they made these chicken satays and corn fritters and all the they use a lot of peanuts, you know, a lot of peanut sauces and I just thought that it was so it it was so inventive. It sounds very similar to like Thai cuisine with peanuts it's and lemongrass. Yeah, it's pretty similar. I think like Asia, Indonesia, you know, Southeast Asia, Indonesia, they have a pretty similar climate and they're able to grow a lot of the same foods. Right. So a lot of the cuisine is pretty similar. So what did you go home and make? Is it in the book? Can I sh- hold it up to the screen? Oh, yeah. So there's actually, I took a cooking class there. Um, we made nutty corn fritters. So you took and- a cooking class there? Yeah. That's adorable. I love that. Yeah, Good I on love you. taking cooking classes with local natives. They take you to the market and they bring you home with them. And, you know, I've been to so many random homes. I love that. And that's that. really where you see the local culture, you know. Right. So- I met a carpet salesman in Kashmir. He's like, come over. My wife will cook for you. I was like, I kind of want to see what you make. <laughs> that is great. So what? Wh- where can I find that in the book? Do you know what page that is offhand? Because I like to hold um, that up to the screen. I don't. I know that um, there's nutty corn fritters. And oh, there's I, also I saw that. Uh, lemongrass chicken meatballs. Those two were definitely inspired by... Um, Indonesia. Okay, I'm, I'm having a I'm having a look down the down the list of this beautiful cookbook, and I love your photography. I feel like oh, I'm there you. with you. Yeah, that was kind of the idea. You know, I know that so many people don't get don't have the ability to travel. Um, you know, especially they have young kids, and it's expensive, and they don't have that opportunity. So I kind of wanted to create this wanderlust journal where they can really live vicariously through the pages. No, and I really feel that you've done that. I kind of feel like I've gone on this little trip with you. It's, it's. Oh, that's great. Fabulous. That's exactly what I was looking for. Mission accomplished. Great. What are you working on next? I want to come um, with you. Can I come? What? Yeah. I'm coming. Sure. I, you know what? That would be fun, actually, to take like a bunch of people on a trip and just to, kind of somewhere just wander crazy. around. Crazy. I want to go somewhere crazy. Safe. Yeah. Safe. Because I'm a mummy. I think Kashmir was one of the craziest places I've ever been. Where's that? Kashmir. Right in the, um, it's on the border of India and Pakistan. Oh, I scared. <laughs> yeah, Kashmir. And I ended up getting to the border at like three o'clock in the morning after a 24 hour drive when I thought it would be six hours. <gasps> oh, and no. people are falling asleep on the road and I'm like, what is happening? Oh God, your mom and, must have been freaking out. Oh, I didn't tell her until I get home. That's usually what I do. Oh, that's, she has no clue. As a mom, that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I know how she rolls. <laughs> <laughs> These Jewish mamas. It was it started in Sternberg. I'm like, you know what? I don't live in a tent. So where did you go? Um, yes, yeah, so I went to Kashmir, and we they stopped us at the border. Okay. And it was a little bit scary being Jewish tourists from New York. <laughs> That's um, so cool. You know, like a very Muslim state. Yeah. So, and of course, I was traveling with two other Americans and an Israeli site, like ex Kayal. Of course, yes. And Wherever you travel in the world, you'll find some Israelis and Baruch yeah, so Hashem, you know, Chabad you people. Ride, I'm like, all right, whatever. What's 24 hours in the car with a stranger? Bye. <laughs> You're cracking me up. <laughs> so we get to the Israeli, we get to the Kashmiri border, and I'm wearing like pajamas and I can't find my shoes and uh, disaster. So he pulls us out of the car and we get to his little tiny hut with like cots. It looks like a bunker. It's really kind of scary. And I show up wearing, like, two different socks and one shoe. And he looks us over. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, you know, I just love traveling. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, why Kashmir? I'm like, you know, I have a lot of Kashmiri friends. And they, they, they told me to go stay with their brother on Dal Lake in our boathouse. I'm like, okay. So he's looking at our passport. And he's like, where are you from? I'm like, America. And he looks at me looks at me up and down. He's like, there's no, you know, they picture Americans, like these really fancy people in like Gucci and Chanel and their hair blowed, you know. And I definitely do not look like that. <laughs> cracking up. Well, obviously you weren't arrested because you're back here to tell the tale. Yeah, so they were just cracking. I'm like, I know fancy Americans. They were dying from laughter. It was so funny. So they're looking at our passports and I'm like, they're like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from New York. And then my other friends are from New York. And then the Israeli guy is like, I do him from New York. I'm like, you're not. I'm like, you have an Israeli passport. What are you doing? So the whole thing. Jewish chutzpah, man. Jewish chutzpah. I know. He's like, I'm from New York. I'm like, what? You're not from New York. That's uh, probably the funniest so, thing that's ever been said on this show. 
Okay. Yeah, so you just get into like wild adventures. I love it. I love it. That's absolutely fantastic. When are you coming to New York next? Um, I'm not sure. I think a lot of my friends are asking the same question. Yeah, we'd but like to, I'd love to meet you in two person. Two versus like 75. I'm yeah, like, I know. Hmm. Maybe wait till after Pesach. It'll be nice. I'd love to meet you and meet up with you. Go on a New yeah, York adventure so together. That'd be awesome. Okay, great. Aviva, thank you so, so much. For joining me. Thanks so much for having me I, on your show. I love your books. I hope that they're available on Amazon or at your local Judaica store, I believe, right? Yes. Yep. Um, those. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And I'm really enjoying them. And I cannot wait to use some of them for okay, my, great. for our, for our family, for the gluten free and Pesach and everything. So. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Enjoy. Well, thank you. We'll be in touch. Yeah, for sure. All right. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Okay. I, oh, I meant to say, Get you guys on the air at the same time. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, the time is getting away. Um, I'm completely blown about, away by that. Yeah. That was like really something. Yeah, we could do pastries around the world together. We should. Okay, let's, let's do that. We'll do, start off in New York. Okay, I'm sitting here with Sarah Goldstein um, on this Friday morning talking to the whole wide world out there today and now we're – we're actually neighbours in Woodmere, um, and a friend introduced us. Yeah. Um, and she, my friend told me that you've got to meet Sarah Goldstein. She is an unbelievable baker. So I'm like, excellent, because um, I love to meet, meet unbelievable bakers. Um, we're just going to take a break for one minute. We're going to do a station ID, and then I'm going to do our What's for Dinner segment, and I'm going to jump into those. Okay, and just to keep everyone on edge, if you are looking at the screen, I'm going to describe, I'm holding up Aviva's four delicious cupcakes, which we're going to talk about in right after this. Right after this break, you are listening to Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network, also heard on Arut Sheva English Radio. Our show is sponsored by Hod Golan. We're going to do our What's for Dinner segment because that is what's for dessert. But let's do what's for dinner. Um, I don't know if you are been watching me on Facebook or Instagram, but um, I did a uh, gefilte fish hamantaschen. I felt I felt like um, I'm not a big cookie person, um, and I don't love hamantaschen for some reason. I've never really been so into it. I'm more of a cupcake gal. Um, so I decided for my what's for dinner segment, I was going to develop a gefilte fish hamantaschen because. Shushan Purim is, is Friday, so as an homage to, you know, um, Purim, we can still have a Friday night dinner and have gefilte fish shaped in hamantaschen. I took my regular f- favorite brand of um, gefilte fish um, that you can buy. You know, every supermarket carries different brands. So you pick your brands. I use the Aussies brand. Uh, I buy it in Gourmet Clart, of course. Um, they are sponsoring our What's for Dinner segment. I'm not sure if I mentioned that. I'm putting that there. I'm putting that out there. Um, so you, you take your pot, you put in your frozen loaf, you fill it with water, throw in some sugar and some onions and some carrots. You need big, fat, juicing carrots. That's the key to this to make it look really cool. Um, and some celery. And you're going to boil that for about an hour and a half. Um, then you drain it, chuck out the veggies, except the carrots. You need the carrots. You're then going to cut your gefilte fish into about one-inch slices, like a regular slice, however you would cut it, and the carrot like quarter of an inch, like little, little, little thin slices. And then from the gefilte fish and the carrot, you're going to cut each slice then into triangles. So you take the scraps, you put it on a little plate with some toothpicks, and then my kids nushed on it all afternoon while I made I made it on a random Tuesday because I wanted to do this recipe. So you can just like have a nice little afternoon nush with gefilte fish. But then I took each um, each triangle of gefilte fish I put on a plate and then I took um, the the uh, carrot, the round carrot, sliced that into also a triangle and I put it on the center of the gefilte fish and that kind of looked like the filling. It was really cute. My family really liked it. They liked the idea. It's on Instagram and Facebook uh, under Naomi Nachman if you want to go take a look or the Aussie Gourmet page and take a look how adorable it is. It's really a no-brainer, but it was just so cute and adorable. So um, you can use that for your Purim Surah or for um, Shabbat dinner. Okay. Moving right along to the cupcakes, which have been staring at me in the face. How's it going? Good. Okay, so let's talk about your training. 
Where did you go to cooking school? I it, went to the Art Institute of New York City. Okay, where is that located? It's in New York City. In New York City. It's downtown by Canal Street. Like also Canal right here on the Lower East Side? Yes. So did you guys, you and Aviva go around the same time? I don't know. Um, we probably did. They were classmates. Oh, That's why I kicked <laughs> myself for not getting them on the air at the same time. Okay, I digress. Fine. Okay. Um, talk to me about these beautiful cupcakes. Um, I love doing cupcakes. I, I love doing mini cupcakes because I make all different flavors and I find even like the skinniest of ladies will take a bite and they'll be like, Ooh, this is good. And they'll eat a few of them. People will eat a few different flavors rather than cut into a cake. People don't like to do that. But here I have an array of flavored cupcakes. So you, your specialty is mini cupcakes, right? Yes. I do everything, but I love doing mini cupcakes. Okay. Do you find it very time consuming? No, actually, I don't. I could, I could whip you up like, um, like a thousand cupcakes in no time, honestly. Oh my God. And if somebody wants a thousand cupcakes (laughs) and order them from you, where do they actually go? You have a business. I do have a business. Okay, let's talk of, about... I have a business out of the five towns. Okay, and you're under the Vada for Kashura, the five towns, which yes. is so fantastic. A lot mm-hmm. of home bakers and cooks like myself don't have Ashkaha. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. But you actually do. So that is such a bonus. Yes. I started out cook, um, baking out of my home, and um, then I had the opportunity to get a Hachshur because I work in a commissary kitchen, and it's it's been huge for me. Right, that really must be a big game changer to be able to go into a, you know, kiddish or into a shawl and have yeah. your stuff out there. Yeah, the first time I did it was actually for a kiddish that my parents made, and and it was like the biggest deal for me. It was so exciting to actually be able to bring my baked goods into a shawl. Yeah, that's that that yeah. Oh, I would love that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your specialty is mini. So we've got a bu- bunch mm-hmm. of selections here. Okay, mm-hmm. ZK, this you know how we do our wine and cheese, and I always pass you some. So I'm going to pass you some cake. This is all par. He's so excited. I wish we could turn the camera on him. Can we do that? Can I turn the camera on you? Uh, no. no, he won't. Let me touch the equipment. Okay. Okay, what am I eating here? Those are red velvet cupcakes you with are. a vanilla buttercream frosting. They are so soft and moist. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to describe for those of you who cannot see. We're getting this here. ZK's got two thumbs up. <laughs> it's so moist. It's literally a mini. It's the size of my knuckle. Of my thumb, a little bit more, um, and then it's got this little mountain of, what is this, buttercream? Yes, it's oh a little buttercream. Oh, my God, my mouth is completely watering. Okay, and what are these little sprinkles on top? Um, it's red, red um, decorating sugar. Okay, I'm going to, Mizona. I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mm. you have to keep talking while, I'm I, cute while I eat. I, what else have you got? Um, I also have um, mm. a s'mores cupcake. Um, that I have a toasted marshmallow on top. A couple of years ago, I bought myself a real legit blowtorch. First, I went to Bed Bath & Beyond, and I bought one of those pretty little ones. And then I said, you know what? No, I went to the hardware store, and I said, can I have a blowtorch? And the, um, the salesman said, what are you using it for? And I said, dessert. And he's like, oh, okay. And I love my blowtorch. So you bought a real blowtorch? I bought a real legit giant like industrial blowtorch. And any opportunity I can, I use it. <laughs> oh, my God. Won't this little it. marshmallow on top get blown away? <laughs> no. I put it on very lightly. But, um, <laughs> yes. Am I like... getting... I'm getting... Oh, I'm sorry. I cannot get crumbs. the studio sorry. <laughs> Graham cracker crumbs underneath the um, oh my God. cupcake. And on top, there's mar- there's like a marshmallow baked into the middle of the cake. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is... I'll pay for your dry cleaning. It's okay. I'm not worried about that. I don't, don't want to get the floor dirty. Oh. Can I just tell you something? Yes. This is the most exotic cupcake I've ever had, and I've had a lot of cupcakes. I like this because there's a surprise in every little yes. millimeter. There's I'm a, trying to get it all. There's a different... Um, this is. Un- I'm just going to pop the rest in my mouth because I've got <laughs> nothing else to do with it. Oh. No this is amazing. Mm, okay. Thank you. Next, Talk about the other two yes, next, while I swallow. <laughs> That's fine. Next, we have um, a mint chocolate chip um, cupcake. It's a chocolate cupcake with a mint chocolate chip frosting. Like, growing up, I was never really a mint person. I yeah, mean, I'm not. I, I always say it tastes like toothpaste. Yeah, and especially, like, mint chip ice cream, like, totally not my thing. But then one time I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just try it. And this has really turned into one of my favorite cupcakes. It's – it's I – Put, um, I infuse like a mint extract, extract into 
the buttercream and it's really, <laughs> it's really delicious. Now, now, do you have, you must have a very steady hand for this, right? Um, you have to. Uh, sometimes it's steady, sometimes it's not, but, um, that's the like great thing about cupcakes though. It's just like, you know, no matter what, they just, Look good. <laughs> to me, cupcakes symbolizes really a lot. I know it's funny that I'm doing a whole little bit on, on, um, cupcakes and, you know, not so much homentushin, but, uh, and you could put a tiny little homentushin on top too <laughs> as a little decoration. Mm-hmm. It shows, it shows there's something about like, oh, like when you make a party, someone will always say, I'll bring the cupcakes. It just, mm-hmm. it means comfort. It means love. You yeah. know, it's something really solid. You can't have a party without a cupcake. Right. <laughs> Whether it's a little kid's party, I do a lot of our party planning now, mm-hmm. and they always want a little mini cupcake. Yeah. People love cupcakes. That's like my, my biggest seller, I would say. Yeah, is the yeah. cupcakes. Mm-hmm. Nice. The parties and stuff. Yeah. And, and then now we have, and I'm going to pass have... the mint one to Zika. I'm going to take a little break. There you go. He's not taking a break. He's so happy. Are you happy with me? Okay, uh, breakfast. Um, and last, I have a mocha cappuccino cupcake oh. that I put a little like chocolate. Yeah, I'm um, gonna hold definitely hold that up. on top. Um, that's honestly, I think my favorite cupcake. It's it's I mean, especially for people who are are coffee drinkers, it's really it's so delicious. It's not like a heavy coffee flavor. Yeah, but, I'm having a um, lick of the cream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so the good. cream is so good. And really. this is all pop. So, what is the all key the to making a really good cream? Um, the key is making sure that you really, um, get it smooth and like to a good, like piping consistency. Like I've made it where it's been so hard to like pipe out of the bag. You know, you just have to find that good balance, um, between like liquids and the, um, the powdered sugar you put into it and like a nice smooth, you have to let that butter or margarine just go for a long time and get it smooth, smooth. Now, my listeners know that I love butter. <laughs> there is nothing nicer than a butter cream yes. made with butter That's and true. cream, <laughs> as opposed to margarine or Rich's Whip. Right. Uh, look, sometimes you can't help it where, right. you know, keep your keep Shabbat and kosher, you need to have yes. the substitutions. <laughs> Um, somebody once told me a, a pastry chef said um, they, they did an experiment. They took a stick of margarine and a stick of butter and they left it outside <laughs> and only the flies went to the butter because margarine is not a considered a food group. I've heard and, that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, gosh. Yeah. It, I, I will admit that my stuff is not the healthiest, but okay. it tastes delicious we don't care right. look everything in moderation and they sure. are minis you can have They're one mini. okay so when did you start your whole baking thing how old were you um some kids start young oh i was i was young when i when i got my love for baking my mother used to always bake when we were younger uh she used to make us the best birthday cakes it was before fondant came out so everything was done with buttercream she used to make us though like all these crazy like designed cakes and I just, and she used to bake for all the Yom Tovim and I loved, I just loved helping her. And from a young age, I said, I want to go to culinary school. That's what I want to do. It's like the people that who go to so medical great. school from a young age, I know right. they want to be a doctor. You knew from a young age, you're going to be a pastry chef. That's, that's the only thing I've ever wanted to do, honestly. I think that's I, I love so it. fantastic. Yeah. And you know what? I, I love, like people love pastries. If you don't love pastries, you know. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> right, right. Okay, look, overall, I am, I'm a food person. Like, people ask me, are you food or do you like to cook or bake? Right. I get that a lot. So, I like to say I like to cook and you, you say I bake. I like to bake, yeah. Right. So, th- there is yeah. that bit of both, but I think you cannot be a good foodie or a good chef without right. having done it. I have done a lot of the classes. Right. But, you know, you have that push for something else. You, this and me. <laughs> You know, food. Right. I do a lot of fish. That's like become mm. my specialty. But yeah. um, everyone's got their specialty within the food of within the food industry. Yeah. So who are your guinea pigs? Um, my family and my neighbors. My neighbors <laughs> get so excited every time I I ring the doorbell. Like, oh look, Marisa. yeah. Yeah. It's very cute. I call them up. I'm like, are you home? They're like, are we getting pastries? I was like, maybe. <laughs> then I'll, I'll be there in five minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Yes. So let's, let's move on to those little mini mooses because okay. they are quite popular. You see them at all at little functions. Yes. And you know what I like about Sarah? She uses these cool cups. Now you do usually quite often see them in shot glasses, but now these, um, cute, um, ex- I don't know what little decorative spoons. mini glasses. Have become um, very readily available. 
Um, I'm going to pass EK1. <laughs> All right. I gavalt. I'm, I still got a lap. I have a I lap full of, a I lap full of cookie that. crumbs. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. We have a vacuum cleaner here somewhere. <laughs> okay. Before you get up. Okay. Here we go. Here's the chocolate Please mousse. Enjoy. Um, what is the key to the success of mousse? Because mousse is so temperamental. <laughs> uh oh. So temperamental. <laughs> I got cream on the microphone. Uh oh. It's not darling my loud Australian <laughs> voice, is it? Okay. I'm just yeah. going to clean it up. Okay. <laughs> See that scraping noise? That's me cleaning the... Okay. Um, I've tried many mousse recipes um, to try to find, like, a good mousse that also holds up well. Because um, they're temperamental. They are temperamental. I've made many mousses, like, you know, with the egg whites, and they just, like, flop. And it's sad. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I found, like, a good balance between, like, eggs and, like, a whip... And this is really, it's like a nice consistency, and it really tastes it's very delicious. Light, very light and moist. Now, do you have a website? I, I do have a website. It's um, Baker's 12. It's www.bakers12.com. But um, right now, it's actually under construction. Under I'm looking construction. to <laughs> upgrade upgrade a little bit. Um, but I have um, a Facebook page under Baker's Dozen, and you can follow me on Instagram. Baker's Dozen, Baker's 12, anything you put in Baker's Dozen or Baker's 12, you'd probably navigate towards Into, into your thing. And, you know, yes. I love it. And I love when everybody posts stuff. Oh, do, are there yeah. more goodies in that thing? Oh, I have some cannolis, some moose-filled cannolis. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We need a beaver on the line. We talk about our – I mean, they're not like, to Italy. They're probably not Italian cannolis. Okay. That's all right. We love cannolis. The first – one of my first shows um, that I did when I started Table for Two mm-hmm. – uh, Two years ago, I had um, Paul Sapienza from Sapienza oh, Bakery yes. out out in uh, Elmont, mm. Long Island, and he bought us fresh cannoli Yum. with ricotta cream. <laughs> it was amazing. I'm sure. Yeah, very milchic. Yes. Anything milchic is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my stuff's good too. Oh, it's good. Right, but no. It's, yeah. it's all about... Masking the the um, using yeah. good power of ingredients right. and sometimes masking the um, chemical yeah. flavor. Yeah. And I think you've done a superb job of this. Look <laughs> yeah. at this. This is so cute. This is so a kid's birthday party yeah. or fun food. And this is fun great. Food. Do you give out recipes? Can people find recipes on your? Um, sometimes, but not always, because I prefer. I want people to come buy things. For yeah. Me. Most people but... aren't going to make this. No. <laughs> Can I, if I buy, it, I'm already filthy, right? I know, right? It should. <laughs> it might pop out the other end, but it's filled. It's filled mm. with the same chocolate mousse. Mm. But um, sometimes I fill it with cheesecakes, like for um for che- I'll fill it with like a cheesecake filling for. Shavuot. Cheesecake in a cannoli? Um, in a cannoli, yes. Oh, that's amazing. And do you mm-hmm. make this shell? I do not make this shell. Oh, okay. <laughs> because we have, but like, who makes their own puff pastry? Like, right, yeah. Um, I'm going to put Time-wise, um, it's much easier for me to um, buy them. Shout out to Presador. Yeah, oh, I <laughs> love that I stuff. Love those, yeah, the cannolis, you buy them, get them at Gourmet Glad and, yeah. Oh, or your local supermarket. Local you know, supermarket. you can buy it for the... Um, people who are listening who live in our neighborhoods that do not have big supermarkets, right. we are so lucky to have Gourmet Glad yes. and, you know, uh, the Brooklyn stores have their stores right. in Queens and Chicago and Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. But there are a lot of listeners that do not in, live in big neighborhoods. Um, Amazon has a ton of kosher food that you can you can buy through through Amazon. A lot of vendors will sell their stuff through Amazon. Right. Which is really fantastic that because is kosher is everywhere now. I know. Right. Yeah, I think I'm just spoiled. I've always like lived in New York, and like when I hear about people who live in like the Midwest, and they're like, "Yeah, we get like a shipment like once a month," and I'm like, "What? It's crazy. We're really spoiled here." I know we're very <laughs> spoiled. Um, you know, if you want kosher wine, we had uh, a guest on last week, Joseph mm-hmm. Silva, and I just want to clarify, he has that five percent discount for Table for Two listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, if you buy, you can buy wine if you don't live in a big neighborhood. Um, where they have a lot of kosher wine selection, you can go to kosherwine.com um, and put in the discount code. I actually did it. I ordered a case of Crema Lager and a case of Zamora wine. I typed in the code TABLE42, but I wrote it all out, T-A-B-L-E-F-O-R-T-W-O, um, and I put that in, and I, I'm, I'm going to have, uh, hopefully this afternoon, it'll it'll uh, be at, be at yeah. my door. I just did it yesterday, so... <laughs> 
Um, they, oh, two days ago, so it should, takes two days, but it was really fantastic. Exactly. This has been an amazing show. Thank yes. you so much for Thank coming you on. For it me. flies like that, doesn't <laughs> it? It goes so fast. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, you are listening to Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nacham Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Hod Golan, the height of taste. We have music right up until Lich Benching. So stay tuned. It's sponsored by our friends at Kerem. Wishing everybody a Shabbat Shalom, almost a happy Purim. And um, take care. Shabbat Shalom. I'm going to keep eating. <laughs>